Clinker Factor, the cement industry podcast. Welcome to The Clinker Factor, a podcast from WCA, which looks at the cement industry's response to climate change around the world and other topics of interest. I'm Ian Riley, CEO of WCA and your host on The Clinker Factor. The cement industry has been working on decarbonization for many years using three traditional levers, uh, energy efficiency, fuel switching, and, and reducing the clinker factor. And today I'm, I'm talking to David Boyd, who's the chief commercial officer of Carbon Re. And Carbon Re deploy AI and machine learning uh, to improve cement kiln combustion efficiency, and are also a WCA member. Carbon Re have just published a, a white paper titled Three Technologies to Reduce Climate Change, uh, about which we'll discuss more later. So David, welcome. Perhaps I could get you to start by introducing yourself and, and how you got involved in the cement industry. Thank you. Yes, so so good to see you in. It, my background is as an engineer. So as a kid, I still remember uh, growing up in Derbyshire and walking around, just trying to understand why different materials were used for different things. You know, lampposts, roads. Why did we use the materials we did? I ended up studying mechanical engineering. I actually did some civil engineering as well, block work on a, a Czechoslovak airport uh, when it was being built for a civil engineering firm. Found my way into the steel industry after graduation and worked uh, in the UK and in Europe on rail production, uh, on the kind of downstream end of steel. My career then, because through engineering, I got a lot involved in mergers and acquisitions, actually focused on mergers and acquisitions for 10, 15 years, as well as digitization, data-driven software development, you know, a variety of different things. And after finishing a project about two years ago, I was just looking at the things that were going on in the industry. And what really excites me is that just the way we build and the way we, we produce fundamental materials is changing. You know, thanks to carbon emissions and thanks to carbon pricing, suddenly steel production and cement production is being rethought. And now when I was an engineer stu studying, that just wasn't something that was, you know, considered possible. It was just, this is how it's done and it's not really going to change. So, you know, I was looking for a real opportunity to get involved. I knew the team at Carbon Re who were starting things and it's really exciting to work in artificial intelligence. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I think we've had uh, other podcasts where people have discussed how things are changing in the cement industry after, you know, years and years, decades and decades of things essentially not being done very differently, just sort of tweaking. And then all of a sudden, there's this revolution of new technology and new approaches. So tell us a little about Carbon Re and, and what you're doing at Carbon Re. So we're approaching the challenge, really, of, of carbon reduction from top down and say, OK, well, if you were aiming to reduce carbon emissions, what would you do? And the natural thing for us is to focus on cement production, steel production. Actually, those are the biggest sources of emissions. And actually, we do believe there are technologies that can can improve that. And effectively, what we've done is we've combined the research of Dan Summerbell at the University of Cambridge, which looked at cement production over that seven-year period and found opportunities for, you know, real step changes of improvement in energy efficiency, together with the AI team from you know, UCL in London, which spawned DeepMind and other kind of AI leaders, brought those two pieces together. And actually what we found, we can use that AI technology and the algorithms, the machine learning to drive the improvement that, that Dan Summerbell found from his research at, at University of Cambridge, combining those two. Effectively, what, what we've been able to do is a bit, a bit like my interest as an engineer in, in, in now in, in cement and steel, is bring in talent 
for in AI and machine learning and, and take them from Google and Facebook and OpenAI and actually show them the opportunity in cement production and what they can do. And that excites a lot of people. Okay. And, and how is this uh, technology then deployed? So sometimes I feel we're cheating a little bit because we're building on the hard work of other people. So if we think about industrial IoT, Internet of Things over the last 10 years, other people have been working to put in place the data capture, the systems, the cloud historians, such that cement producers have got such rich data on what's going on in the cement plant. The challenge for them is actually how do you make exploit all that data? Just the complexity of dealing with it and making decisions based on it is something that that's challenging and you'd need a, you know, rooms and offices full of process engineers to really get value out of it. What we're able to do is by using machine learning algorithms, we can take that data from the cloud historian and relatively quickly and straightforward without any capital investment or new systems, new sensors, new data, actually find out and understand specifically what's going on in that individual cement plant and provide recommendations back to the control room operator such that they can actually optimize the day-to-day production of the plant. So this is a way um, that you're combining, if you like, the the expertise that the the operator and the plant already has with AI. And and you're sort of putting these two things together to get the best out of the system. Is that right? Completely. I mean, some people call it something like a co-pilot. If you think about software development where AI is providing a programmer guidance on actually what the code should look like as they start to write it. Similarly, the, the AI is forecasting ahead, looking at you know free line, degree of carbonation, thinking about clinker quality in advance, and actually able then to make adjustments to uh, the you know control settings to, to drive that energy efficiency. And what stage are you at in, in deploying the technology in cement plants? So it's still in one way we're actually relatively advanced. So we've got connections and we've we've run projects in India, Vietnam, in Europe, South America. So there's been a real global nature to our work. On the other hand, I think I'd still say we're still at the early stages of the machine learning algorithms. So we've got algorithms that are delivering cost savings today to cement plants. So so we're there, we're established, the platform's available, the software works. What we can achieve and what we can do with machine learning, we're really at the foothills of, of where it can go. And just looking at the the journey of other industries of where they've gone in terms of their sophistication of machine learning, we are uh, still at the very early stages from a from an AI technology point of view. So this is from the standpoint of um, of how well the AI understands the cement industry. Is it kind of, can I characterize it like that or is not that not quite right? Yes, I think that's, Actually, building those out, you know, as you as, as we evolve our algorithms from the first areas of such, you know, whether it's free line, whether it's degree of carbonation, whether it's the clinker quality forecasts, actually, those will then allow us to move to the next stage, actually, of moving, you know, understanding the biomass in more detail and then better understanding the relationships of biomass and how that's affecting the temperature of the kiln and then moving on to you know actually how we're working with expert optimizers at the moment so we're just working at the moment with we just completed our first project with a, a plant that's using an expert optimizer and so there's the solution that we're evolving is getting really interesting but it is something that's there and it works today so as i mentioned earlier you've you've just published a white paper titled Three Technologies to Reduce Climate Change. Why have you written this paper? What's the aim of writing the paper? We see the opportunity in cement production. And I think we want to get more and more people excited. You know, it's, it's not 
saying you know cement production is is a bad thing it's actually there's a massive opportunity in cement production and everyone should get excited about how by working in cement production we can make a change to the carbon emissions so i, I think everybody should be talking about it so we, we we feel that you know we should play our role in trying to make this you know headline news people talk about deforestation we talk about aviation we talk about road transportation not enough people are talking about cement production the other thing we wanted to add to the i suppose the kind of focus on in this discussion is the change of date from 2050 to 2030. So there's a lot of talk about roadmaps for net zero in 2050. And our belief, which is really supported by the Nature article that we refer to in the, in the white paper, is that we should be talking about 2030 more than we talk about 2050. If we think that we're doing this to, to limit climate change, and actually one of the ways we look at climate change is global temperature rises, the Nature article makes it very clear that actually it doesn't matter whether we hit net zero in 2050 or not. The temperature rises are driven by what we do in the next 70 years to 2030. What's our roadmap? What's our journey? And so we, what we wanted to do is say, okay, we're out talking to, to cement plants about AI. Actually, we're just part of the solution. What are the other technologies out there that also we should be talking about? And from the white paper, we actually very much, similar to your introduction, actually is the technologies that we know about. It's, it's energy efficiency. For us, that's through AI. It's the substitute cementitious materials, uh, including LC3 as a kind of a solution and then alternative fuels you know biomass and waste derived fuels yeah so I, I i very much agree with your point on 2030 although perhaps for slightly different reasons i think you're coming at it there from a scientific uh, standpoint you know i i come at it more from a management standpoint and i think uh, if if we're setting goals for 2050 and you say well the average ceo lasts six years you know that that's several ceos away and it perhaps doesn't have the same impact you know if you if you if it's not something you have to deliver yourself, so I think the 2030 goals are very important uh, because they're something that the cement industry needs to work on now uh, because of the the time delay in, in in achieving the savings. I think I think the 2030 goals are much more important in driving uh, decisions and behaviour today than the 2050 goals are. So I, I come at it from a slightly different perspective, but the same conclusion that the uh, the 2030 goals are, are very important. And I think this is um, this is a, a key assumption in the paper, isn't it? Because because you look at CCUS and, and really say, well, that's not going to have very much impact in the next few years. That's something that's for after 2030. That's right. I think one of the comments we've had back on the white paper is actually, you know, CCUS is important. And we're not saying it's not important. It is, you know, people need to be working on it. It is going to need to be part of our solution. Equally, though, I would say that a lot of the discussion around cement production does defer to or fall back on the idea that CCUS will be there in 2040. And there are a number of assumptions there. You know, firstly, the technology is still uncertain. Equally, the economic model by which we're going to fund the CCUS isn't in place yet. You know, we're talking about the carbon tax in place for Europe, but the regulation is still evolving. It, you know, it's still, uh, we're still expecting the final text from, say, the carbon border adjustment mechanism, which will really help provide the economic justification for, for spending the money on CCUS. Um, and there's still massive challenges in terms of storage, you know, and the costs and how we'll, 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 we'll store that carbon. So, so it's brilliant people are working on CCUS and that, that's fantastic. In addition, we really need to see how we can maximise those carbon reductions from from these technologies. So, do you want to talk a little bit about the the, the three recommendations that you make? And the, the first one is is about using uh, additional 
supplementary cementitious materials, particularly LC3? Yes. So, I mean, if we look at the, the global charts presented at Semtech, the conference um, towards the end of last year, um, evaluating, this was Jim O'Brien, evaluating the performance of the, all the listed cement producers. You could clearly see that Dalmio and Shri in India were, were far in the leadership of the other of the producers. And that's driven for, for me by their, their use of substitute cementitious materials. Now, I understand completely there are economic barriers to, to using some of these, you know, the the cost of shipping, the availability of SEMs. What we want to do is highlight, actually, we believe, you know, from our review of actually how much should, is available from, from a top-down view of SEMs in the world, there's more we can do to maximise the use of those. Sorry, you mentioned LC3 specifically. And of course, one of the advantages with LC3 is that clay is is very well distributed around the world. And um, unlike blast furnace slag or, or fly ash, it's not looking at a reduction in supply as a result of technological change. So LC3, I think it's a very interesting technology, even though it builds on practices in terms of using calcine clays and, and limestone that have been around for, for decades. I think, you know, the, the, uh, the combination of the two, uh, limestone and the calcine clay, uh, provides a, a very interesting opportunity. Definitely. I mean, so, so LC3 for us is, is really interesting because of that availability of, of raw material. One of the things when we we're doing the, the research we did understand is actually it does need more investment in plants in terms of the different line for the calcination of the clay, in terms of mixing, in terms of controls. So there are challenges and equally the use, of, you know, and acceptance of the product in the market. And how much better is it than Portland cement if actually if you're if you're producing your Portland cement with alternative fuels and uh, optimizing your clinker factor? Maybe the, the step change to LC3 is lower. Nevertheless, with everything, we think it's part of the mix and part of the things that will help us decarbonize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on, uh, the second recommendation is around uh, the use of biomass. So use, using um, well biomass and alternative fuels, but biomass in particular, of course, uh, uh, biomass is, uh, if you like, rated as a zero carbon fuel. But there's some controversy about that, which you which you mentioned in the paper. Yes, it's a real challenge. I mean, if you look at deforestation, how much does biomass, co- you know, lead to deforestation? I'm based in the UK, live in the UK. You know, we we see the importation of biomass from the US to the UK uh, treated as a zero carbon fuel, and that just feels that's not quite right. That's not uh, you know good carbon accounting for for what's going on there. So the danger here is that we dismiss all biomass because actually sometimes it isn't good. That doesn't mean that biomass should be rejected completely. And so we do think biomass is part of the solution. Equally, as you say, other waste-derived fuels. And it's amazing to see the, the percentage of alternative fuels being used in Germany just because of the, the German rigour at separating their waste into usable materials. And if we were to do that across Europe, across the world, actually drive governments to do better separation of waste, that would really, really help the cement industry uh, move to, to waste of our fuels. Yes, I mean, as you say, it's a, a long journey and uh, Germany's done uh, extremely well in in using alternative fuels. If, if you look at the rate of, of the use of, of waste uh, waste derived fuels in, in China and in, in India, then it's, uh, it's still very, very low. And of course, that's exactly, as you say, related to the separation of the waste and, and the waste management regulations. Um, and then just moving on to your, your uh, third recommendation is on 
energy efficiency and specifically uh, uh, using AI for energy efficiency. It seems to me that you know one of the things that, uh, and obviously uh, it's uh, something that you're doing at Carbon Re, but one of the big advantages for cement producers of using uh, AI is that there's no real capital expenditure. Right? How long does it take uh, for, for cement companies to deploy AI if they were to ask Carbon Re to help them with that? So that is the reason the reason why for us to find, you know, or from the analysis, the finding come out, came out that artificial intelligence can have such an impact by 2030 is exactly that reason that it is fast to, to deploy and scale. And so if you've already got a cloud historian, then all it takes is providing a data connection from our models in the cloud through to the data of your current platform, and then the time to build those models for your plant. And so at the moment, we're talking a number of months, and our pipeline is to get that down to a number of weeks. So I think the starting point would, you know, with the conversation with the client is to talk about the timeline is that availability of data and just to make sure that it's in a in a format we can access and start using. But once we've got the data flow up and running, actually things can be relatively quick. And it's that scalability that makes AI, you know, really interesting. Absolutely. David, are there other topics that we should cover before we wind up? I think that one of the things, if I think about it from if I was a cement producer looking at these technologies, the thing for me that makes it really interesting is the competitive advantage you can get by being the best at these technologies now. So yes, carbon capture and storage is going to be part of the solution that's needed in time. If we can select technologies now and, and invest and become leaders in technologies now as a cement producer that minimize our need for carbon capture and storage, actually... For me, that would give you a significant competitive advantage over the next 10, 20, 30 years. So the question for me is what what portfolio of technologies actually would lead to that, that selective advantage? And, and, and for me, as you say, kind of optimizing the clinker factor, being the best at sourcing the waste and then using AI in an intelligent way to, to for energy efficiency, it will be those three technologies that, that could, could get you there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's very striking about the recommendations of your paper is that the proposed action will not only reduce carbon footprint, it'll also reduce costs. So exactly to your point of of gaining competitive advantage. And of course, this is very much the theme of, of the conference that uh, you came to out in uh, in, in Dubai uh, last year, where, where we were talking about the uh, potential to reduce carbon footprint and reduce uh, cost at the same time same time and uh, a theme no doubt that we will uh, come back to in the conference uh, this year so for all of our listeners um, make sure that you have in your your diaries uh, october the 24th 25th in dubai when we'll have the next wca annual conference so david thank you very much for your uh, uh, your thoughts today it's a very interesting white paper i recommend uh, everybody uh, in the industry should be reading it so how can they find this white paper is it uh, on your website Yes, so it's available on our website and we've got a link, the front page of the uh, ICR issue in February has a QR code that links through Twitter as well, so carbonre.com. Excellent, carbonre.com. And we'll also put a, a link in the uh, podcast notes uh, so listeners can click on that directly. Uh, so David, uh, great to talk to you today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ian. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 